Creatives Uncorked. My name is Elaine Brewer-White. I'm a clay sculptor and I'm also interested in all things creative. This podcast, as you know, is about talking to all kinds of artists, the how and the why they create. Today, we are on episode number 10. That is two digits. And we're speaking with therapeutic clown, Helen Donnelly. Okay, I would like to introduce Helen Donnelly. She is a clown artist and a theatrical circus and therapeutic clown. Is that sort of right? There's so many ways to describe what you do. Yeah, yeah and and also a, a trainer of noses. A trainer, well. yes. <laughs> a creator and a trainer of, of other clowns. So. Yep. So Helen, I, I've known, I've seen your work for a while and, you, and you've had many characters develop over the years, but I want you to, because this is a podcast that goes out to everybody and it's all about uh, creative thinking and many artists, I talk to many different kinds of artists. So if you could, first of all, describe what the word clown means to you, because to a lot of people, the word clown means someone that comes to a birthday party and has a flower that squirts water, right? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I've never knowingly done that in my whole life. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to, to define clown, except to say that it's, it's a very broad, you can describe it in very broad terms and then you yes. can get very specific as well, but it's anything from, you know, if you want to think of examples like, you know, Abbott and Costello, mm -hmm. just so many different, yeah. like bean, yeah. ball, Yes, Lucy you know, Ball. so uh, it's physical comedy, physical comedy, right. and it's uh, but it's specific. It's it's uh, what makes it clown is the logic behind it. Ooh. So uh, that to me is like the defining difference between a comic, mm -hmm. like a physical comedian, mm -hmm. and a clown. Yes. So physical comedians, yeah, they can do all the same things that clowns can do. Um, you'll see them in circus, you'll see them in festivals, you'll see them on stage, just like clowns, the kind of clowns that I espouse to. Mm -hmm. But what makes clown clown is its logic, which is a very, very different, uh, separate <laughs> breed of thing, uh, mm -hmm. a, a different type of way of coming at the art. Right. So clown logic is akin to kid logic. One example I'll give, which I always love to get, there's so many great examples, but both examples are, are my, my partner, Neil, who was a mm -hmm. clown in mm -hmm. his day. So picture a clown coming out to the audience. It's mm -hmm. a bare stage. Mm -hmm. He's got a coat on and there's something in his pocket and he just looks out at the audience. And he just looks out at the audience in silence. And the silence kind of just goes on for a little bit. Yeah. People start tittering in the audience. Yeah. There's an anticipation building. And then he pulls out of his pocket some peanuts. And he reaches forth and he picks one peanut and he proffers it to the audience. And he goes. <laughs> <laughs> so like with they're that one big one, squirrel. <laughs> right. So with that one gesture. We understand yes. that his logic is different than the rest of us. Right. He sees the world through a different lens than the rest of us. Oh. And after that comes from, yes. from that yes. is just very special and very specific. Yes. Don't, yeah. wouldn't get that kind of laughter 
yes. from a physical comedian doing something yeah. different. So it's the logic. It's the, it's the logic. logic. Oh, I love that description. I've never heard it described that way before. That's oh, great. There's yeah. tons of descriptions. There's tons yes. of definitions. But for me, if clown logic isn't present, yeah. it ain't clown. Okay. It's a character. It's a character. Okay. But it's not clown. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, before we sometimes drink wine in these podcasts, but today I'm having rose tea. Nice. So to you cheers. And, and cheers. And you're having just having my water. Water. <laughs> well, this is a kind of water. It's just got a little bit of steeping in it. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would join you for wine, but I'm yeah. on a lot of medication. And yeah, it's not a good thing. Well, yeah. that's okay. You know, I've done so many interviews. I think occasional cup of tea is <laughs> a uh, good thing. <laughs> you got to sober up once in a while. Yeah, my kidneys are thinking, thank God. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So your character, Foo, was that your? Oh, yeah. Fo Foo or Foo? Foo. Foo. Okay. F-O-O. F-O-O. And okay. I would say not character. It's clown. Okay. Clown. Sorry. My, my apologies. You can say clown persona. Clown persona is much better. Yes. So your yep. clown persona, of course, it, Foo. How yep. did you come across Foo? Where did you discover Foo? Yeah. Um, well, Foo evolved from a number of clown trainings that I undertook in the early 90s. Okay. It was my original clown persona that mm -hmm. came out of workshop, out of exploration. Mm -hmm. um, so this is back in like 94. Mm -hmm. And I, I kept developing Foo over the years. And, yeah, and uh, right. when I first um, was developing Foo, only speaks gibberish, only oh, okay. ever spoke gibberish, never, ever learned how to speak English. Okay. And, um, and that was great because it just opened everything up. I could develop shows for Foo and little bits and pieces of little, what they call uh, clown turns, which are five minute pieces or yeah. 10 minute pieces mm -hmm. that then developed into larger shows. I did mm -hmm. a lot of musicals, clown gibberish musicals. I coined the phrase clown gibberish musical. And, so did you accompany uh, yourself? Did you play in, an instrument with that? Uh, no, I, I hired a professional musician to mm. create the score. Right. So I would say to my friend, Matthew Reed, who's an, an incredible musician and uh, creator, yeah. I would just say, so uh, give me something kind of like Oklahoma meets Annie. Oh. Me like <laughs> <laughs> and, and he would kind of look at me and go, okay. And he'd wander oh, away and he'd come geez. back and he'd be like, how's this? Just amazing to me that he could climb into my brain and know exactly right. what I needed. So, and then what he would come up with would inspire you more to go forward. And it I mean, it was just a lovely partnership. So yeah, I'm, my intent is to put all of my shows for free mm -hmm. up on YouTube. I believe half of them are already. Oh, wonderful. So yeah, you okay. can just go to the Helen Donnelly channel and all of my videos are there. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen those. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. And then you've got some of your, your other clown personas, yep. Mildred Maid and Miss Posey. Yeah. And Miss Posey. So, yeah. So these are female clowns. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of being gender specific at mm -hmm. all. It just wasn't 
in the cards for me for the longest time yeah. until there was a need. And it was just basically a contract that I had uh, that, you know, they said, we would love it if you could pitch these ideas, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, how about a maid servant? And uh -huh. then how about like a, an alcoholic opera star? Because I can sing <laughs> opera. And so, <laughs> so they said, sounds good to me. And, uh, <laughs> so Mildred the maid and Miss Posey, the drunken opera star was born. Mm. Yeah. Oh. And I made a clown gibberish musical out of that relationship where I play both parts. Okay. Um, that's one of my favorite shows. Oh, wonder. Posey. And they're only gibberish speaking as well then. Yes. They're gibberish as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that was just so important to me, but it well, was it's universal. For, it's universal. Yeah. It, a, it's universal. It, it mm -hmm. certainly is. Like you can, language then becomes really, it just opens up everything. Then it's really, really up to you to be mm -hmm. very, very specific about your intention, mm -hmm. about what this is about so that the audience can follow along. Right. Um, yeah. And that specificity was yeah. really a great wonderful goal to right. always be like a you know a part of your motor so that was really exciting I you know I remember the first time that I was asked to speak English in clown oh and that was the very first job that I had as a healthcare clown uh. or what I call therapeutic clowning. Yeah. And that was not as Dr. Flap. It was a different clown persona okay. kind of taken off of like, it was kind of like Mildred, the maid's cousin. So very, okay. very servantile. Yeah. Not too bright, yeah. you know, kind uh. of in the world. You know, I thought that was a nice fit for healthcare and it was, yeah. but I was just used to speaking gibberish. So I was yeah. just kind of serving my clients in gibberish and the staff there was like, okay, what did you say? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, and I remember like sitting, like I, I was sat down by yeah. my boss's boss yeah. who basically threatened me, threatened oh my. my job status, <laughs> unless I could speak English. Oh my, <laughs> and really? Said, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was so upset and I was like, <laughs> not upset about losing my job. I was yeah. more upset about the, the idea, yeah. the idea, the audacity of like, suggesting that clown would be in English. <laughs> How dare you, sir? I know. I was like so precious about my, my stupid art. So I was just like, how can that be? I can't speak English. And she's like, well, what do you think you're doing right now? And I said, that's different. I'm not in clown right now. You don't understand. Yeah. I ears. I never cry. I never, ever cry. I oh. cry. She basically said, well, your clients don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and this is healthcare and it's different from circus. Yeah, right. And I think you're going to have to learn how to do it. Right. So I remember over a three month period, and this is just how precious I was about my stupid art. Mm -hmm. It was like, <laughs> I took three whole months to learn to speak into, English to and learn clown. To speak English and clown. <laughs> Slowly, surely <laughs> learning the English language <laughs> the way I thought that Chula would do, you know? And yeah. <laughs> the, cl the clients were great. Like the clients were awesome. They were like yeah. these kids it, who. It was the administration that just couldn't bear it. What did she say? She's oh, yeah. talking about us, isn't she? No, yeah. she has to speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to threaten them. Anyway, at the no. end of the day, they had a point. It, it, it behooves us to speak the language yes. of the healthcare team right. for yeah. many, many great reasons, because, yeah. you know, this is a high risk activity. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. But at the time. <laughs> How long ago did you start therapeutic clowning? That would have been 2004. Okay. Four. 2004. Yeah. yeah. And that must be like a paradigm shift in a way because your audience is now someone who has to be where where you are don't they, they can't walk away and your your responsibility is so much greater than just entertaining a general audience yeah well first of all we're in duo we're we're a pair there's a oh, pair of us okay you yeah. never go in alone right some people do that's yeah. not best practice best practice is you go in you don't go in <laughs> first mm-hmm. of all mm-hmm. you earn the right mm-hmm. to engage Mm-hmm. Uh, or not with your client. And also, you know so much about mm-hmm. your client before you even meet them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We're part of the healthcare team, right. which means that we have access to their healthcare records. Okay. We can, you know, we look up their diagnoses, communication styles, likes, right. dislikes, triggers, right. so that, you know, by the time we meet them, there are no huge surprises. There's always right. going to be something that that surprises you or you know you haven't considered but it's really it behooves you to be very very prepared so that's a big big part of it because we are therapeutic clowns and not enter we're not entertainers yeah you think of it right so So just to to backtrack a little bit so to give people an idea your therapeutic clown is called dr flap dr flap yeah and, yeah. and can you give us a visual about what, what Dr. Flap would look like? Sure. Yeah. Again, sort of gender neutral, speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> Much to as my chagrin. <laughs> as a second light. Actually, yes, that's actually true. Yeah. So Dr. Flap does speak with an accent. Ah. Yeah. All of my clowns come from an island in the Atlantic, Pacific, Mediterranean, Antarctic area. (laughs) Oh, I know it. (laughs) Right? It's hard to get to. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for some reason, they have a bit of a Quebecois accent. So (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like uh, Dr. Flap is like, hello, uh, my name is uh, Dr. Uh, Flap. And uh, it's uh, very nice uh, to uh, be with you here, uh, Elaine, uh, today. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. So do- that's Dr. Flap. And so do- it's a flight doctor. Yes. So uh, sort of vintage kind of Amelia Earhart. If you think of Amelia Earhart, flap headpiece, right. which is where the name comes from. Flap. Okay. The, the flap and then the goggles, yeah. a doctor's coat. Right. But underneath is the flight outfit, khaki pants and the khaki top, the little tie that she used to wear. Right. So if you think of Amelia Earhart, who became yeah. a flight doctor. Right. Get Dr. Flap. And then, and then became a clown. Wonderful. And- I, I love to give the example of how we would engage a teenager who is basically saying no to everything else. They're saying no mm-hmm. to child life. You know, they're 17. Yeah. You know, people are just like, he's 17. He, he won't like you guys. He, oh. he's bored. It's okay. You can skip him. You know, that's the attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you're 17 in healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, you're mostly bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and angry mm-hmm. <laughs> probably mm-hmm. angry mm-hmm. and and you're very knowledgeable because mm-hmm. you're you're old enough to know the score is so mm-hmm. depending on your diagnoses you can be fighting against it you can be mm-hmm. railing against the skies you can but there's only so many at the end of the day there's only so many videos and texting 
that yeah. anybody can withstand. Like, yeah. let's face it, healthcare is really stressful and boring at yeah. the same time. Yeah. I always love to give the example of this one teenager who, again, was saying no to everything, yeah. including us, peeped our head around the corner. And I was like, oh, oh, hello, uh, sir. Uh, my name is Dr. Uh, and he's like, no. And we're like, <laughs> right, you are then. And we just wandered away. And then the next week, boom, same thing. Being my yeah. partner, two little heads around the corner. Yeah. Uh, hello. Uh, and he's like, no. And we're like, right, you are. And we went away. And this went, this went on for a month. So we did it four times, once a week. And we thought, you know what? We've given the guy like four tries. He's not biting. It's fine. Like yeah. he's made it really super clear. Yeah. Not upset. It's just yeah. like, eh, not for me. And yeah. so we would skip his room and we'd serve other people. There were like yeah. 60 kids, right? Like oh, it's not yeah. like you serve up to about 20 in a shift. So we did three days. This was at Holland Blurview kids rehabilitation hospital in Toronto. Anyway, so so we would skip his room mm -hmm. and then the staff I noticed, you know, were like motioning us over and they oh. said, "Okay, so he's been asking, where are those idiots? How come they're not coming anymore?" How oh. <laughs> like, "Where are they? I haven't seen them." Aww. And that was the game. He just yeah. wanted to say no. He wanted to say no. Yeah. Wanted to say no to these yeah. two idiots. Yeah. He thought it was funny. Yeah. The whole thing took like about three seconds, <laughs> but it made an impact. And to the point that he was, where are my clowns? Like, Aww. where are my idiots? Did, so did you get to spend any know. more time with him? Yep. Afterwards, we, you know, we would do things. We would come up with stupid games. My favorite that I came up with was fake deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we would like accuse him of having ordered a crib. And we'd bring this huge baby crib mm -hmm. into his room and trying to make him sign for it. He's like, I didn't, I didn't order the crib. Like, this is your signature. We get really angry. <laughs> we get so mad at him. And he'd be like, God, dudes, this isn't me. Like, I'm not. And he knew we were just playing with him. But, but I mean, everybody deserves to play. Everybody deserves yeah. that opportunity. Yes to play. Mm. Teenagers are not immune because mm. they still have one foot in childhood. Mm -hmm. No matter how much they deny it, mm -hmm. they do. They mm -hmm. still want to play. So do elders, like elders with Absolutely. dementia. I've also said we, we all deserve to play. Do you work with only children or do you no. work with all ages then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I, I started a, a nonprofit called mm -hmm. Red Nose Remedy. Mm -hmm. We are therapeutic clowning service serving mm -hmm. all of Ontario and beyond now that oh. Zoom is a thing. Yeah. But yeah, right now, because of the pandemic, yeah. we're, we're virtual. So um, reach our clients by Zoom. But normally we're on the units. Yep. Right now we're, we have contracts with children. We also mm -hmm. have contracts with adults with intellectual disabilities. In the past, during the formation of Red Nose Remedy, we mm -hmm. served on the units at uh, Sunnybrook Veterans Center, oh. where the average age is 94. Oh my God. And so all veterans Fantastic. and veterans with, with dementia. Oh. Them. Yeah. Oh. It was a great, great fit because oh. clowns yes. and people with dementia and other similar cognitive uh, disabilities they live right now. Like this is what's happening right now. You know, clowns are the same. We yeah. only live in the moment. The moment. So true. there's no, there's no past. There's no future. Yeah. 
We're yeah. just here together. Yeah. And it's a very, very immediate art form, which is part of what I love about it. Very true. My mom had dementia and oh. she, she always remembered Gordon because Gordon would make her laugh all the time. And she always called him her five-star general. <laughs> <That was laughs> but he knew yeah. how to reach yeah. her. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's really, really tough on the families. It's yeah. so tough on the families. What I always say to the families, you know, when, when I'm asked, like, can you suggest things? And I, mm. I always say, really just be interested in what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if they're talking about something and you don't know what it is, yeah, it's okay. Just let them talk about it and just keep feeding them with that good food, you right. know, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. If it's a, a red car, then get excited too about a red car. Yeah. Like, don't think logically. No, logic has gone out the window. Those it's out the window. Just, and yeah. as clowns, we don't think logically. We have a separate Perfect logic. fit. So it's a beautiful fit because clowns will just look at that and kind of go, this is a great opportunity to connect. Let's talk about this red car, you know, and let's get inside the red car. Let's go for a drive. And they would like go, you know, sit next to the elder on the bed and, and, you know, off we go on a ride saying yes to, to what they're trying to express, which is something in their past that has a, an emotional attachment, you know, and they want to share that and what, what they're thinking about, you know, it's such a, it's devastating disease. I know it is. And I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's something easy on anybody. It, it isn't. Yeah. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever come across as a, yeah. as a healthcare worker. But if we just remind ourselves, you know, just, Hey, yeah. just be guided by them. This visit is about them. It's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. So make it about them exactly (laughs) but red noses are are part of every clown that is part of the red nose therapy is it important having a red nose it's a great question yeah personally i think it's vital okay Uh, it's vital especially for those with a cognitive disability Mm -hmm. like dementia or like a head injury the nose is the indicator of fun something Uh fun is about to happen okay so if you were just coming in on the on the units and two of my clown personas don't wear a nose, like okay. Mildred the Maid, Miss Posey without the nose. Yeah, you can have clowns like Mr. Bean, no nose, right. Lucille Ball, no nose, you know. Yeah. Uh, but for healthcare, because it's such a confusing and high risk uh-huh. and high volume atmosphere, yeah. you want to be clear about right. who and what you are why you're there. So if you kind of have mostly a pedestrian outfit, like it's not terribly clownish, Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. about my outfit that you would go, oh, you belong in the circus. Kind of civvies, really. For There's the art, a lot of misinformation. I it? know, like uh, you know, yeah. Like you're a visual artist. I'm sure you get it all the time, where people well, are making assumptions about. Oh, who well, that's one reason for do. the podcast. Exactly. Like, all these people I'm interviewing make a living in the art, and we need to celebrate that, and we need to understand more what they do. Yeah. So you've actually 2018, you created a certified program for therapeutic clowning at George Brown College. That's incredible. Certificate program. A certificate program. Yes. Yeah. You've got people that have come through the program. Yes. That are going to be going into hospitals at, oh, I just already are. Oh my. So all of my graduates, all eight, they all graduated with high honors. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And Yep. I employed all eight of them. They are oh. game 
gainfully employed as part of Red Nose Remedy. Yeah. And for the last two years, yep, they've been serving in healthcare. They've been serving children and adults alike, and oh. I'm so proud of them. And uh, you know, they're at the very, very beginning of their journey. Sure. Um, but they're learning a lot, and uh, I'm at the helm to kind of give them ongoing trainings and yeah. you know be their raw raw supporter. So this and is in Ontario, cool. but th- is this going across the country? We're in other city centers. I know in Vancouver we've got therapeutic clowning. Is therapeutic clowning an accepted form of therapy in most hospitals across Canada and into uh, the United States? Yeah, the the breadth of therapeutic clowning or healthcare clowning as we mostly call it it's staggeringly huge so Mm. it basically like in germany alone there are something like 800 therapeutic clowns really Uh, yeah 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 oh my gosh in france intense it's like many many dozens of companies uh in quebec alone like let's just talk about quebec they have over 55 clown artists employed through dr clown and they're serving over 59 sites. Wow. That's just Quebec. I had no idea. Oh, Elaine, welcome to my world. And I helped found the North American Federation uh, for Healthcare Clowning Organizations. So we are a professional association, first of its kind in North America. And we're, we basically are cousins and we learned from EFCO, which is the European Federation for Healthcare Clowning Organizations. So in North America, there's, I think there's nine organizations within oh. NAFCO. So that's, that was the core group that started it. I think we're up to like getting new members all the time, but yeah, it's basically it's wonderful to belong to a larger group of like-minded clown artists who are really dedicated to best practice. Now in Canada, Canada started it actually back in 85, I believe. So uh, back in the 70s, actually, Paul Hoosen, yes, we're neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. He was probably the first clown doctor in the world. Really? Yeah, yeah. He Paul started was. in the, like the mid, yeah, mid to late 70s. Shout out to Paul. Shout out to Paul Hoosen. Wow, Paul Hoosen. And then in the mid 80s in Winnipeg, of all places, mm-hmm. uh, Winnipeg Children's Hospital, there was a child life specialist who also was a physical theater performer. Mm-hmm. And she had the idea of marrying the two concepts together. Mm-hmm. And she was the first therapeutic clown in Canada mm-hmm. to call herself a therapeutic clown. Right. At the same time, the Big Apple Circus Clown Care Unit started in New York with Michael mm-hmm. Christensen. Okay. And he then hosted some trainings with people, with artists from Europe, from Brazil, from Scotland. So he kind of started this kind of hub of training. They went back to their countries and started their own nonprofits. And that's where it all really started. So by the late 80s, early 90s, things were really, really on its way Mm -hmm. on a global scale. Wow. uh, In the meantime, Canada kind of plateaued early, (laughs) except for Quebec, which just took off and mm-hmm. you know they're the gold standard mm-hmm. in Canada I only wish one day that mm-hmm. red nose remedy can in any way emulate and follow in the footsteps of Dr. Clown so oh my gosh you've done that's incredible and but I, the certificate I, program was just so yeah. 
it was just so great to get to that place where I could finally go, this is part of what we need to do, guys. We need to build a school for therapeutic clowning. It's no good. Like right now, like before in the before times, it was like cart before the horse. You got hired first and then you started your training. Yeah. Yeah. You started your training with a senior clown on the units. Okay. That's one way of doing it. It's a lot of risk to the clients. Yeah. And it'll never die. Like they're not like my certificate program is now the gold standard and nobody else does anything else, but it's not like that. I had dreams of it being bigger than it was. It only oh. ran the one year and then I got cancer. So yeah. So can we talk about cancer now? So yeah, I mean, I've been following you, of course, on Facebook, and you very shared everything that you've gone through. So when (laughs) when uh, some people would choose to be very private at this time, Mm -hmm. and you've chose to educate, which I I really appreciate, because nobody understands unless you go through this. Yeah. So when did you get a diagnosis? June of 2019. Okay. My diagnosis is uh, I have stage four, it's now stage four metastasized multiple myeloma. Multiple myeloma is a cancer of the plasma cells in Mm. your blood. Mm. And the plasma cells are the ones responsible for the fighters. They're the ones that grow your your white blood cells. Um, They're born in the bone marrow. So the cancer starts there. And basically when you get multiple myeloma, the the plasma cells in your bone marrow start issuing out cancerous cells like crazy. What they need to do, and this is what they did, is they they wipe out your bone marrow entirely through a process called stem cell transplants Mm. with high dose chemo. And I had that done twice because I'm a high risk client, meaning that my body actually resists treatment. Oh, So they knew they needed to bring out the big guns for me. Mm -hmm. I was given four years to live Mm. and that was two years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unfortunately it didn't work. Uh, Mm. uh, True to my nature of being a high risk, i.e. my body rejecting treatment. Mm -hmm. So true to my body, they were unfortunately very correct. None of the treatments worked. The big guns didn't work. Mm-hmm. The little, the little things that, that they did, the little treatments along the way, the different oral and uh, infusion chemo, none of it worked. So now I'm on a round two of a clinical trial and for five months now and counting, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's working like the mm-hmm. myeloma numbers are being kept at bay, which is the first bit of good news Yeah, in two and a half years. Yeah. So who, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been given you know, a year and a half, just over a year and a half. It's been scary because, yeah. Um, God, yeah. you know, I'm only 53. When you're given a prognosis like that and sort of like, I'm really sorry to say, but you're also in the four percentile of multiple myeloma patients yeah. that resist treatment. So you're kind of a special case and sorry, you know, they were like, yeah. just, so I'm, I'm under the care of Princess Margaret Hospital. Um, yeah. So I've been a patient since then. 
in the fall, I was given just a couple of months to live. Yeah. And you then rough, like all those pictures, it's been you, rough. you didn't hide anything. And that was, yeah. oh God, it's been rough. I, you know, I'm constantly, I ha I have to take over 11 medications every day. Oh, wow. Um, which is why I can't have my glass of wine. Yeah, with you. yeah, yeah. I'd love to have a glass of wine with you. Well, I miss having wine, you know, I just yeah. miss having a yeah. damn glass of wine, you know, yeah. just like a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been tough it's been yeah. you know it's been really really hard you know to be life-threatened yeah. all the time and then to everything reminds you of it I'll forget for like 20 minutes and then you know an alarm will go off and it's like oh I got to take my eight o'clock pill oh I'm, I'm dying of cancer right. it's just like you know I'm You're out facing your mortality every yeah. minute of the day and most of us don't spend any time thinking about our mortality I mean denial works right yeah <laughs> when I was ah. when I was healthy yeah. I was in denial about yeah. mortality like you know I I was as atheist and and somebody yeah. who upholds modern medicine and evolutionary biology yeah. of course i'm very aware of what what's coming but yeah. i mean you can't live your life like that because it's so much energy no so you have to be in denial you have to just get out there and just enjoy what life gives you and the same is true when you're life threatened when you're actually life threatened mm -hmm. but you know it's a, i kept thinking as a therapeutic clown i kept thinking yeah. in my healthier days like when i yeah. was on the units i had the conceit of i could i could empathize with my clients and those that were life threatened i could uh, we we share a common bond because we're all basically none of us are getting out of this alive and have that in common and mm -hmm. like, like really connect i wouldn't say this out loud but no. in my therapeutic clown little heart and mind yeah. i would like hold that thinking that i was profound or something yeah. <laughs> and it's like now that i'm a patient it's yeah. like yeah you didn't get any of that you're like, like the 17 year old boy going go away <laughs> yeah i'm just now i'm the 17 year old boy going you go know away. nothing yeah you know go nothing away thing. yeah i thought it was interesting because i had actually used that in my communication with you that word journey can you just say again what you said about like so many people refer to your your to journey and that oh is God. not the right thing to say <laughs> God. it's just so not it's not accurate because yeah. a journey is something i'm just gonna see if i have it here i wrote a song about it oh it's a, rant. It's a cancer rant oh great uh, but it's uh yeah here hang on it's worth it i'll i swear <laughs> oh wonderful if one more person calls my cancer a journey i'm gonna get me a fancy attorney <laughs> <laughs> and sue them up right up the wazoo you would too if it happened to you a journey is something that is planned a trip to the beach to, or to see your favorite band anyway it just goes on to say like you know like a journey is something pleasant yeah. that you embark upon maybe yeah. with a friend to see yeah. a band or to yeah. go to the beach and have right. a nice time right this is not a journey not this a is journey. not a journey no <laughs> not and, a journey uh, what's a good adjective then what's a good ordeal ordeal your cancer ordeal ordeal yes. and uh yeah. an even better one that i love to use that uh, i stole from fellow mu multiple myeloma patient we were yeah. we were waiting in the waiting room and together and we struck yeah. up a conversation this is like and i was like blah 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 well you know my journey and she's like 
do not <laughs> say that word. I was like brand new to being a yeah. cancer patient. Whoa, what are you? And she said, yeah. I was like, well, tell me what, you know, what do you use? And she, this, and you'll know, because she was like further along in, yeah. her, in her ordeal. It's a forced march. A forced march. Oh, and I was oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The, what I share with my shrink is, you know, if it kind of feels like you're in this dark passageway mm -hmm. and the way I see the passageway is like wet stones everywhere, mm -hmm. kind of the sound of drip, drip, mm -hmm. drip. Mm -hmm. and it's dark mm -hmm. and there's kind of a bluish greenish light at the end. Don't have a choice. You just have to go straight yeah. toward this awful light. Mm -hmm. And at any point, because it's dark and damp and old, Mm -hmm. things could leap out at you little creatures oh, and little oh, things or yeah, or yeah. pleasant things like yeah. you know fun little cute little animals like a bunny or something yeah. and then they disappear but you just have to keep going straight you can't yeah. stop yeah. and yeah. then at the end of it is a guillotine oh really yeah oh and that's what that's what it feels like for oh. me like for yeah. me to have cancer so oh. you know at the end you're done for and for. it's just how long is this Forced tunnel? Mm. I have no idea how long it is, but it just seems very long and awful mm -hmm. <laughs> and interrupted. Yes, interrupted mm -hmm. happily mm -hmm. with some delightful things like mm -hmm. connecting with you guys or, yeah. you know, being out in nature and seeing yeah. some like, like we did today. I mean, I, I have yeah. to remind myself when I have the energy, yeah, it's important for me to get off my duck and, yeah. and to see some birdies and right. to play with my cat. Before we, we started recording, we were talking about bird watching. So oh, yes. <laughs> I have a list that oh. I love to tick off, like, you know, that I, I keep track of. I'm not a birder. We're, we're bird okay. watchers. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're bird appreciative. <laughs> we appreciate birds. They just, know, and just to hear them and see them. Yeah. Like Gordon's just really happy when he can just call any bird a bush tit there's yeah. another tit you know and it's so childish but i let him have it yeah that's right but yeah whatever they're not all tits okay no that's a wren mm -hmm. and it's like no it was a sparrow yeah. <laughs> nice try donnelly but uh yeah today was a really good bird watching day like out and we saw the eastern bluebirds are, are back yeah seen that's one a, of those yeah just just so beautiful and mm. very very difficult to find some you see and, uh so you know this is a better lifestyle much better uh for now and because yeah. of pandemic yeah. you know my my work gone yeah. and because of cancer my work is gone yeah. so I, I was forced to retire officially from clowning and that was just heartbreaking and yeah. i just thought you know what then if i if all of this stuff is being taken away mm -hmm. plus you know i've been given some really crappy news about my prognosis mm -hmm. I might as well be somewhere beautiful mm -hmm. like near we're near three different conservation areas oh wow um, like literally within like 10 minute drive oh, it's amazing fantastic so it's, it's right outside really your door pretty. it's just outside our door we have bird feeders right outside in the backyard <laughs> <laughs> bird seed everywhere but we don't care that's um, okay that's okay. Yeah, yeah. They've, we've been entertained by birds all winter yeah. long. You've got a new kitty too that I hear. Got a new it's kitty cat. Yeah. It's that little orange tabby. We do. He's Very so cute. cute. We call him Radar after Radar O'Reilly. <laughs> 
because he's like <laughs> he's like a man child and he's yeah. you know, very cuddly like very much a radar great. <laughs> and then the other thing that just came popped into my brain as I was kind of well you can't do this you can't do that your life yeah. threatened your life is yeah. coming to an end like a lot of no no no's what can I what can I do like where do I you know you know we're all creative beings mm -hmm. and I've only ever been an artist like clown artist mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I just want to do something. So actually my partner, Neil, I credit hundred percent with this idea. He just like sat me down mm -hmm. with like a pad of canvas mm -hmm. and a package of oil pastels. Mm -hmm. And he's like, don't get up until you put something on that pad. And he's like, I don't care what it looks like. Yes, yes. I don't care. You need a hobby. Just do <laughs> you know? Yes. And I was like recovering from my second stem cell transplant with high dose chemo. I had no hair. Oh. Things were looking bleak. And he's like, you're not getting out of that chair until something happens on that page. Mm -hmm. And then I I just started kind of like doodling and mm -hmm. hating what I was doing. And so I just started, you know, my own sort of exploration of like, yeah. it's more like abstract expressionism if you had to put a name to it. Yeah, but, it's color and shape and it's yeah, everyone is different. And I love how yeah. you're sharing them. So explain, I'm going to ask you about this. Explain now what you're doing with paintings that, I mean, they're not oh, paint, but they're oil yeah. paint, oil pastel. Yeah. So what, what ended up happening and they're, they're quite large. They're 16 mm. by 20. And I started putting them up on, we lived in Toronto and we still have it. We rent a, a live work studio, 18 foot ceilings. And so we, it's like an industrial type thing. I just started putting them up on the, the wall because it's just massive wall, massive yeah. amounts of wall. Yeah. So I just started like lining them up and putting them. And I was just like doing one a day. And it was just a part of my, if you will, art therapy, part mm -hmm. of my healing, part of, you know, my wellness program, I guess, that I was assigning myself. It's and then I would put, I would put them up on Facebook. And then yeah. my friends were like, oh, how much for that? And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 they're not for sale. They're, yeah. they're just, it's just for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, you know what, maybe I will say yes to yeah. a friend who wants, you know, something like an original for, yeah. for them. I, I'll yeah. create one for you. Yeah. And so that became a, a fundraising idea yes. for Red Nose Remedy. And so now I've done 103 of them. Mm. So I've raised over $10,000 for wow. Red Nose Remedy. Oh my gosh, through all your painting. In a year. Yeah. So I'm wow. really proud of myself. Are you um, still taking commissions then? Uh, yep. People can go to rednoseremedy.ca donate page and uh, you can see the original 15. You can choose any one of those for me to reproduce or you can just say, do whatever. I love what you do. Mm. I love the color green, you know, and then, and then I point. can, yeah, some kind of stepping off point sometimes is helpful. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been really therapeutic. I have to say. Oh, Helen, I, this has just been such a wonderful conversation. I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. We didn't I'm, get to you. How are uh, you? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> are you okay in these COVID times? Yeah. Sure. Uh, my clown is home right now. So it's been, yeah. <laughs> you guys do some bird watching yourself. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. just when we go out and I'll, yeah. I'll point up and then Gordon will say bush tit and I'll go, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of it. <laughs>
But I want to thank you so much because this has just been enlightening, interesting, like you're such a good storyteller. And, oh. and thank you for being so open and sharing about your ordeal, ordeal, your ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only hope that what you're on right now will continue to prove positive. Yeah. I, right now I'm living five months at a time, yeah. which is a very bizarre way yeah. to live. Yeah. I just want to go, okay, I got the infusion this month. Yeah. It might buy me another five months, wow. uh, but it's always the, it might, because it might. those myeloma cells are still there threatening to overtake my body. And when right. they do that's game over. Yeah. It's, it's kind of months yeah. instead of years. Yeah. Uh, we just don't know how many months I'd like to think many months I'll yeah. be on this clinical trial until it, it until it doesn't work anymore. Work anymore. And, well. uh, we don't know when that is. So there so you go. Wishing you many, 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 many months. Thank you. I love living this life. Yeah. I love, I love living. More, <laughs> here's to more living. I'm raising my more teacup to you. Here's to more Yay. living. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you, Lane. Thanks for having me on. Well, that was a truly inspirational conversation with Helen. If you want to find out more about Helen's artwork and how to commission a piece, you can go to rednoseremedy.ca. And also, if you want to check out Helen, her website is Helen Donnelly, that's D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y.com. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, creativity is intelligence having fun.